Ladies and gentlemen, ghosts and ghouls, creepies and crawlies, you're listening to WHOO 98.6 for White State University. My name is Mirkala, but my friends call me Callie. All of my many, many friends, but now you too. I hope you all have had a very successful transition into White State. I have just loved getting to meet our new students. It's so refreshing to have freshies that actually run and scream when you want them to. Upperclassmen are so rude. You go, boo, and they just roll their eyes. No fun. Anyway, the sun is just peeking out from behind the horizon, which means it is almost time for curfew to begin. Upperclassmen, you know what that means. Freshmen, just trust us. It's better if you don't find out. Either way, you should be very nearly back at your dorm, either from the dining hall or your own personal excursion, and get ready to sleep away the day, or trance, or hibernate, or stay up all day long working on that essay for your policy class. All are acceptable, although with varying levels of vitriol from your roommate. Just remember to use your blackout curtains. This, if you are not aware, is human stories. I am a human studies major. Yes, that is still a thing you can be. You have me to thank for that. So every night, I lull you all to sleep with a charming, quaint little human story. I hope you all gain a more well-rounded idea of what it truly means to be human, whether you rose from one's grave or rob their graves to eat every day. The study of humans may have fallen to the wayside in recent years, but I am here to fix that. Ah, it's so nice to have a purpose. This must be how Dracula felt when he tricked all the humans into shipping his home soil into Angland. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to get all religious on you. Whether you believe in the immaculate deception or not, all are welcome at Human Stories. Before we dive in, however, the faculty likes to use this show as a venue for campus-wide announcements, so try to stay awake for the next three minutes at least. A friendly reminder that soon we will be having a freshman mixer. The guts, bones, and other viscera of the freshmen who failed to observe curfew will be mixed together in a huge cauldron in a ritualistic sacrifice to bring in luck for the next semester. And maybe to snack on, if you're peckish. The smell is just to die again for. Ooh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about the blood right now. I love my sweet darling freshmen, but I'm just saying... We don't call them fresh for nothing. If you survived this far, freshmen, these mixers are a great way to meet people and connect with other new folks who are just as quick, punctual, or lucky as you are. Spoons for sampling will be provided, but it is BYOB. Bring your own bowl. If you're not so into devouring the flesh of your fellow student, one, stay away from frat parties in Harris, and everywhere else. And two, you can still participate in the lock ritual. Just be sure to bring some Eye of Newt and a lock of your own hair. There will be scissors on site if you forget. As we gear closer to advising season, the language department would like to remind students of the particulars of our language requirements. You may not take a dead language if you are already dead. It's a foreign language requirement, folks. You wouldn't take an intro to accounting class if you were a vampire. That's an arithmomania joke. I can say it. You can't. Please consider one of our other language tracks. Perhaps you're a fan of the ethereal. Consider Sylvan. Maybe you're more the grounded type. Try primordial. 
Or, if you're a connoisseur of the demonic, consider abyssal, or infernal, or French. Please see Professor Chomsker in room 220 in the Undergraduate Language Building. I would say its name, but it's incomprehensible to people with less than the completed amount of credits. So, every undergrad. I, I, I didn't say this was a well-planned school. Please tune in to Dr. Jadragisok's Lordy Lordy Look Who's 40,000th Birthday Celebration in The Claw this coming Saturday. We actually have no way to verify their age, but seeing as they remember the extinction of the Neanderthals, and in fact helped contribute to it, we can gauge a rough estimate. Dr. D is actually our oldest living faculty member. They've got nothing on our oldest dead professor, though. Professor Mephila, a bog mummy of an isopod, clocking in at 542 million years. She was my econ professor freshman year, and she listens to the show. Hi! She will be present at the party, so if you've got any questions about the Cambrian explosion, stop by to say hi. And if you see them in the halls, don't forget to wish Dr. D another happy, healthy 40,000. Now, let's take a look at some paid advertisements. The Brewing Club is offering potions of hair growth at half price this week. Everyone knows a lock of your hair is the most personal, elegant way to get your DNA into whatever spell, potion, assignment, or home project you're working on next. With the freshman mixer and other fun events that require personalized spell components coming up, those of you with short, slow-growing, or no hair may feel left out. Not to worry, the Brewing Club has your back. Or top of your head, or armpit, or wherever you choose to splash this concoction. All you have to do is measure out the desired amount according to the label, and splash, and voila! You should start growing in the next few minutes. Prices are halved from 32 to 16 just for this week. Get them while you can. These things are flying off the shelves. Buy a bunch to stock up for the next semester. Or just test them out to see if they're for you. How convenient. Oh, hold on. Um, there's some small print. Let me just grab my glasses. Okay. It says, read as fast as possible. I, I don't know if I can do that, so I'm just gonna... Okay. The Brewers Club will not be held responsible for any coughing, wheezing, sneezing, heart attacks, congestion, hair loss, skin loss, memory loss, early onset dementia, acne, death, or coming back to life that may result as a consequence of using this product. No guarantees will be made in regard to the amount of hair, length of hair, color of hair, quality of hair, moral alignment of hair, or ease of cutting hair. The only guarantee is that there will be hair. Please contact the Brewers Club in no situation and direct all concerns to Mirkala. What? Guys! Oh my word, it says, haha, you said it, now it's true. That's not how it works, brewers. None of my hair was involved in this transaction, therefore it was not legally binding. Please don't email me with customer service questions. I failed my required brewery class sophomore year. I can't help you. Listen, if you don't have enough hair just to use spit, it's a little grosser, but it gets the job done. Or, I don't know, chop off a finger. It might grow back. You don't know until you try. Before I rip all my hair out, let's move on to letters. Is there anything you've always wondered about humans? About White State? About me? Preferably not about me. I'm terribly boring. As in, if you get me going about 18th century German human literature, you will be frozen on the spot in abject terror. Vampire hypnosis is hard to turn off. 
I just get so excited, my hands start flapping, and then suddenly there's a woman writhing around in psychological torment at my feet, and not in a hot way. To contact the show, go ahead and follow the incantation ritual listed on our webpage. To access our website, ask yourself whether you are a brave person. Do you have what it takes to stand up for what is right? If you knew everyone around you was wrong, would you have the guts to rise and deliver forth the truth? If you answer honestly, you should feel a cool breeze from the east. You have just gained the trust of Drialthazar, our lord of divine honesty pertaining to one's own strength of character and also website navigation. You should now have a sense of your personal fortitude relating to moral dilemmas and also how to get to our page from the White State homepage. Or you can simply Google Human Stories White State U because otherwise our website navigation is, pardon my French, <laughs> garbage. You can also email humanstoriespod at gmail.com. Today's letter comes from Milo. Hi, Milo. Milo is a junior and a computer science major. Milo writes, Dear Callie, I have a human question. Yes, that's what I'm here for. I have been doing some research. I'm a Frankenstein creature, right? So a lot of us wonder as kids what the hell Frankenstein means. And our creators are like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just the name of our species, blah, blah, blah. Milo wrote that. I'm not diminishing the, the words of... Never mind. But recently, I was going to one of my professor's office hours, and his daughter was there. <gasps> oh, is it Dr. Chirpin's daughter? Lillian is so cute. I hear she lost her first tooth. I hope Dr. Chirpin can find one to replace it soon. Sorry, I love kids. Anyway, he's also a Frankenstein monster, and his kid was asking that very question. However, he said Frankenstein was the name of the original creator, as in... One guy sat down and made the first Frankenstein monster, and we Frankenstein monsters have just been creating more and more of us ever since. Huh. That is fascinating. So I was like, that's nuts, and I've been researching ever since. And the original Mr. Frankenstein, the dude that made the first monster, was human. Oh. Oh, that is wild. I didn't... I feel kind of embarrassed. I didn't know that. Uh, so Milo asks, How do I make sense of this? What does it mean? Is my original creator truly a human? Are we truly spiritually derived from that of which we are physically composed? How do I cope with the fact that my friends eat the divine corpses of the living descendants of my god? Thanks. Love the show. Your creation in crisis, Milo. Whoa. What do I say to that? Well, Milo, um, thanks for writing. I'm not exactly equipped to deal with existential crises of this caliber, but I hope it helps you to know that I will be conflicted about my dietary choices going forward. Not conflicted enough to stop, but I will be thinking about it. This would be a great topic of conversation for Dr. Chirpin's office hours. You know, sometimes you just have to stop and talk to professors. They're monsters, too. And there's nothing wrong with getting in their good graces. Yeah, yeah, this is an opportunity. A topic of conversation. A new wrinkle in the enigmatic blanket of what humans truly are. I know I will be having words about this with my human studies professors. Professor. 
There's just the one professor. And the one student. Uh, Milo, you must be really good at research. What else do you know about humans that I don't? We should stay in touch. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. It's that time, listeners. The time where you get all nice and cozy and relaxed, and I regale you with a human story. Today, we have another old favorite of mine. This one emphasizes a human's ability to trick and deceive. That's true. A lot of people don't think humans are intelligent enough to participate in deception, but humans can be quite wily. I know they've managed to slip away from me a few times, but I always get them in the end. This is a story about a clever human who tricks another into sharing kindness and community. This story is called Stone Soup. The story begins on a foggy December evening. It is late, and the young man has been walking for hours. No, he's been walking for days and nights, and he has no idea how much longer he must walk. His feet are knotted and warped, blisters bursting into raw pink skin just to get blistered again. He feels the ache in his bones. His cane is splintering. It's once rubbered base bare and just as worn as he. And to top it all off, he is starving. He can't remember a time he was hungrier, nor can he remember the last time he had a full proper meal. He had knocked on door after door in this unfamiliar town to no avail. No one seemed to have any food. Not the blacksmith, not the baker, not the butcher. And so he continued on. As he trudges down the road, he sees in the distance a fine house with a solid thatched roof and cobblestone chimney. The house has a fence, perhaps, enclosing a garden, maybe even with chickens. He licks his lips. He's going to get himself some food one way or another. The door is solid and oaken. When he knocks, it makes a deep, satisfying thud. A little old lady opens the door, a cloud of white hair exploding from under her head covering. She is stooped, and her joints are knobby, but her cheeks are plump and pink, as though well-fed. Her face twists into a glower upon seeing the poor young man. "'Good evening, madam,' the young man bows, mustering all the charm he can. "'It is late, and I am very hungry. Might I have something to eat?' The woman snarls. I have nothing for you. I have no food anywhere in the house. Nothing grows in the garden, nothing crows in the coop. Now be gone, urchin. He stops the door closing with his foot. Just a moment, madam. If you cannot give me food, please, will you give me a stone? The woman raises an eyebrow. A stone? You cannot eat a stone. What will you do with a stone? Why? Make soup from it, of course. Something glimmers in the young man's tired eyes. Have you never had soup from a stone? What kind of soup can you make from a stone? Oh, a fine soup. A soup fit for a king. If you give me a cauldron and a stone, I can show you. If I allow it, you may have some yourself. The woman opens the door, intrigued. Take a stone from the road and come inside. With a smile, 
the young man selected a smooth, round gray stone. He rolls it in his hand. I will eat well tonight, he thinks. The young man enters the cottage, taking in the hanging pans and the worn wooden furniture. The woman pulls out an iron cauldron, and the man gently lays the stone inside. Now cover it with water and set it on the fire, if you please. The woman does so. She sits, and the young man follows. It takes a while to boil, doesn't it? The old woman mumbles. The man grins. It will boil faster if you add a few onions. The woman doesn't even think about it. She rises and hobbles to the garden. The man tips his head back and listens to the cauldron bubble, the same thin smile playing on his lips. The onions tumble into the pot with a satisfying sploosh. The smell of onion fills the room. The young man drinks it in. It smells fine, says the woman, wondering how one small stone could smell that good. Aye, says the man, and it will smell even better with some beets. Once again, the woman rises for the garden, and the man smiles at the ceiling. The beets color the water a deep purplish red. It looks divine, says the old woman, like royal velvet. It will look even better with a few carrots, the man says, propping up his feet on the end table. I have no carrots says the old woman, but I know the blacksmith in town has some in his garden. I will return shortly. The woman leaves, and returns some time later with an apron full of carrots and a blacksmith. I heard you were making soup from a stone, he says, and I said I simply must try it. Welcome, the young man says. Please sit. There will be enough to go round. It's growing nice and thick says the old woman after she tossed in the carrots. It will be even thicker if you add some flour. I have no flour, says the old woman, but I know the baker must. I will fetch him. She returns with a cup of flour, the baker trailing after her with the rest of the bag. I simply had to have a look of the soup that came from the stone. Please, says the young man, stay and taste some. The old woman passes him a ladle, and he does. Oh, this tastes wonderful. Indeed, says the young man, and it will taste even better with some juicy bones. I have none, says the old woman, but I'm sure the old butcher must. The old butcher did, and with the help of the onions, the beets, the carrots, the flour, the bones, and, of course, the smooth gray stone, the soup was done. My, says the old woman, this soup looks fit for a prince. Yes, says the young man, and with some fine china and crystal wine glasses, it will be fit for a king. And so, the young man, the old woman, the blacksmith, the baker, and the butcher sat at the old woman's knotted table, covered in her finest tablecloth, and dined upon the finest soup any of them had ever tasted, they enjoyed the finest wine and the finest conversation. Laughter rose to the old woman's thatched ceiling, mingling with the smell of fine soup. When they had reached the wrought-iron bottom of the old woman's largest cauldron, the blacksmith thought to himself, I should share my carrots more often. 
The old woman thought to herself, I should invite others round more often. And the young man, after scooping the stone out and discreetly pocketing it, set out into the cold night on a full stomach. Well, my darlings, I'm so happy you joined me tonight, as I am on all other nights. I hope you have a pleasant day, and I will see you all tomorrow night. Until then, good morning, White State. Good morning. <gasps> Unpleasant dreams.